we are told that we should be persistent in prayer. Luke 18 makes it sound like we, if we nag him enough, he will give in and grant our request. What is the purpose of persistence in prayer? Uh, this is found in Luke, the 18th chapter, and it is the story of the unjust judge. Uh, the woman kept coming to him and coming to him and coming to him and saying, avenge me of my enemy. And he said, uh, just so that she won't keep nagging me, I'll grant her request. Then Jesus said, but you ask the Lord and he'll answer. This is a message in contrast rather than comparison. It would seem at first that the Lord is saying, if you keep nagging me enough, so to get rid of you, will answer. But as we read other texts of Scripture, we find that this is a message in contrast. Like, for instance, Romans 8.32 says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So the Bible presents God as eager, just a contrast to this unjust judge. In uh, Ephesians 3.20 it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. <laughs> you see. So God is very, very eager to come to our rescue. So it's a message of, in contrast rather than comparison. Next question. It seemed that during meetings people used to get excited and it would last a while. <coughs> now they aren't even phased. Why? Can anything be done to get people excited? <laughs> Can you imagine, Dr. Arson, that this question came in from a young person? They'd like to see some excitement in Christianity. I say, Amen. How can we get people excited? John 16, 24 quotes Jesus as saying, Ask, and you'll receive, and your joy will be full. The reason I have found, one of the big reasons I have found, why many people are not excited over religion is they're not getting answers to prayer. They don't know how to approach God and get some fabulous answers. Somebody came to me after the meeting last night and began to share some answers to prayer. And they were excited. Why excited? Because we found that the Lord is a good God. He's eager to come to our rescue. And that's something to get excited over. Next question. Thank you. The last day church won't really get on the move until there is some persecution. Satan could not have destroyed Jesus. Thank you. That was not a question. That was a statement and a good one. Next question. Do you believe that only SDAs will be in heaven, or will other Christians of different religions be there too? Isn't that a good question? John 3.16 God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The price of heaven is Jesus, right? Our favorite author states in the book Great Controversy that the majority of the body of Christ is not in the Adventist church. There are tens of thousands of wonderful Christians in other churches. And those who follow Jesus and walk in all the light as he is in the light, the price of heaven is Jesus. They'll walk right through those gates to the new Jerusalem. That's why Jesus said, walk in the light. I am the light of the world. Everyone who keeps looking to Jesus and walks with Jesus to the fullest extent of the light he has, he'll be there. Aren't you glad? 
I expect to see a heaven full of Baptists <laughs> and Methodists <laughs> and Catholics. My, my, never belittle a Roman Catholic. Some of the most reverent, sincere people that walk the face of the earth are Roman Catholics. And on and on we could go. Next question. Thank you. Why so much emphasis placed on religion? I don't use it and feel no need for it. Why does everyone else need it? And that is a sincere, frank question. You see, when everything is going along all right, why should I stand in need of something else? But John 3.16 tells us about a life that keeps on. You know, when I find a young person or an older person that's, that's come to the end of this life or coming to the end of this life, then they'd like to live longer. <laughs> Do you know the Lord's put that longing for life in every one of us? We, we have been getting some grapes here. <laughs> when we learned that we could be coming to Michigan, I said to my wife, Oh my, I can hardly wait to get to the grape country. And we went up and bought a half bushel of grapes. I put them, uh, some of them in our motorhome. And you know, some striped jackets came along. And they said, we like grapes too. And I'd say, well, really, you didn't invest in these grapes. I invested in them. If you don't mind, you may, there's a door. And you know, when I start pursuing one, you know what even a striped jacket will do? He wants to live longer. Even a flea wants to live longer. Who of us doesn't want to live longer? The salvation of Christ offers us eternal life, billions upon billions of years where we can enjoy to the utmost life. So that's what salvation offers us. Do the things we love to do throughout eternity. John 3.16. Next one, please. How can we, as SDA youth, build better relationships and friendships with those not of our church? We've been studying that for quite a while. I'm confident that the Lord Jesus has told us how to build relationships with people not of our particular faith. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. If we had study Christ's method, it is so different from the methods that are generally used. For instance, the first miracle that Jesus performed was where? Anybody in Cana of Galilee. Now he was doing a missionary work there. <laughs> uh, what was the occasion, anyone? A wedding? Jesus attended a wedding? He only had three and a half years to carry on his whole program. He had time to go to a wedding? And that wasn't all. He noticed that the groom's family were, were being embarrassed because they were running out of the beverage. Jesus isn't interested in giving them some more wine. Yes, he is. Jesus' ministry met people at their felt need. And they needed, they felt they needed, more wine. So he made some grape juice right on the spot. If we would meet people at their felt need, we'd be doing like Jesus. Maybe they need their lawn mowed. There are a lot of young people that are busy helping older people. My, if we had time to listen to testimonies right here, we'd find there are lots of young people 
They're doing now and then just a little errand to help someone else. That's like Jesus. Next question. Thank you. Could Satan have destroyed Jesus? Uh, somebody already answered that, didn't they, in the question a little while ago. In him was life. I thank the Lord that all the devils in hell couldn't take the life of God from him, aren't you? Next question. Could God die? Could God die? What's the answer? In him is life. Jesus said, I have power to lay down my life. I have power to take it again. It is true that we as human beings cannot fully understand all about the death of Jesus. But we can understand that he died in our place. He died the second death to give us eternal life. The next question. Thank you. What are the signs that are going to happen before Jesus comes again? And how many of them are there? When will we know if we've been saved or not? Let's first just deal a moment with, uh, with the signs. If you'd like to study a little more regarding the signs of Christ's coming, you'll find it in Matthew chapter 24, Luke chapter 21, and many other places, James chapter 5, and uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and on and on. These signs you can just kind of research and then Matthew 24, 14. The greatest sign of Christ's coming is as the gospel goes to the world. Then shall the end come. And what was the next one? How, how will we know? Where was that? You just read that. When will oh. we know if we've been saved or not? Uh, yeah. How can we know if we're saved or not? 1 John 5, 13. These things I write unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. How about that? These things I write unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. We have the right to have the beginning of eternal life now. He that hath the Son hath life. 1 John 5, 10 to 12. So as surely as I invite Jesus into my heart, and in simple childlike faith, I say, Lord, I invite you in. You said you stand at the door and knock, Revelation 3.20. You said if I open the door and invite you in, you will bring a feast. I invite you in. I'm a sinner. I claim 1 John 1.9, forgiveness and cleansing. I invite you in. I have the beginning of eternal life right then. <laughs> and then suppose I sin, 1 John 2. First verses. These things write I unto you that you sin not. But if you sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So if we sin today, we can instantly turn to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me. And he'll forgive us. And we are still in eternal life. Aren't you glad? This is true. So whenever the devil comes along and said, <clears throat> You just messed it all up. You can say, Mr. Devil, that may be true. But I have a bigger Savior than I have sinned. Next one. Will retarded people automatically go to heaven? That is a, that's, that's a, a good question, isn't it? Will they automatically go to heaven? The only answer I would know is the one found in uh, 
In Genesis chapter 18, verse 25, uh, Abraham said to the Lord, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And 1 John 4, 8, God is love. Is God going to exclude such an individual from heaven just because of his condition? Uh, I have my own opinion. I believe that we serve a wonderful God. And I have found that many a retarded person, to me, seems very much nearer to God than many others. I've just admired them, haven't you? I've admired them. It seems that the Holy Spirit is making up the lack that they have. So we'll trust the Lord to handle it rightly, won't we? Next question. Does God love the devil? Does God love the devil, yes or no? <laughs> my, I've had arguments with my brother-in-law over that. Does God love the devil? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we were holding a serious meeting at one of our camp meetings, and I was telling how God loves everybody. And uh, a minister was there, and he was one of these fire and brimstone ministers, you know. <laughs> they don't have them much more. But in those days, they had some of these uh, fiery ministers that, <laughs> that kind of touched the torch of hell around you, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and he began to put in texts of Scripture that would indicate that what I was teaching about the love of God was not true. <laughs> Finally, one day, I met him on the campground, and he said uh, to some friends, he said, This man is a heretic. I said, uh, I'm not merely a heretic, I have disciples. <laughs> I have people believe what I'm teaching from the Bible. Later that week, he sent in a question. He said, you're drawing, you're drawing over us a quilt of love, and we're kicking for all we're worth. <laughs> and at the close of the week, he said, my, I almost love the devil now. God is love. God is love. This is why instead of burning up the devil for eternity, burning him for eternity, he lets him come to naught, Ezekiel chapter 28. God is just as well as merciful, but he love. He is love. He is the embodiment of love. Next question. Because of all the worldwide devastating events happening in this world today, the four angels still haven't released the four winds. When will we know they have been released? This question deals with the Revelation, the seventh chapter, verses one to three, where it said, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the winds, and winds represent war, you know. And don't, don't, don't let these winds go, the one angel said to the four, until we've sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. In their foreheads. I used to say forehead, and then they told me that that isn't correct. It's forehead. <laughs> So the angels will not let these war winds go out of control until God's people are sealed as his. By the way, may I say the first angel's message to show us what kind of a God the Sabbath-keeping God is. The first angel's message goes something like this. I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth. The gospel is what? Good news. And saying, fear God, give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him. 
that made heaven and earth. Sounds almost like the fourth commandment. That word worship comes from an original word, according to Dr. Young in his analytical concordance, big thick one. He said that word worship comes from an original word meaning kiss the hand toward. So the Sabbath keeping Christ is trying to tell us God is a God of love. God loves us. God wants us to fall in love with him. He isn't looking down a big long nose to find all of our mistakes, you see. So will we know? How much we'll know and at what time? I don't know. The next question. If a baby was born near the time of Jesus was coming, will he or she go to heaven even if the mother doesn't? If he does, who will take care of him? It says, there will be no marriage and giving in marriage in heaven. But in another place, it says something about our family in heaven. Well, how can you be a family if you aren't married anymore? Will children live on their own and hardly know their parents? Aren't these good questions? First of all, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 12, we shall know <laughs> also as we're known. And there was a, a foreign couple, a Dutchman and his wife. And she said to him, do you suppose that we'll know each other in heaven? And he said, huh. he said, I'd rather go somewhere and be somebody when I go somewhere than be nobody and go nowhere and be nobody when it gets nowhere. God says we'll know each other when we get to heaven. We'll know each other. And what about the little child? Again, Genesis 18, 25. The judge of all the earth will do right, won't he? I'm glad that we are in the hands of a loving Christ, aren't you? Next question. What is your view of Christ and what he thinks of us? I don't know how you feel, but I feel that the church as a whole seems to think of God as a very domineering person, someone who doesn't like to have fun. But I'd like to think him as someone who likes to have fun. So would I. <laughs> Jeremiah 29, 11, He said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. These are his thoughts. Now, in order to know something of God's thoughts, who was it that loved to be around him? Little children. <laughs> Climbing up on his lap following him to know what kind of a Christ he was who followed him Mary Magdalene the adulteress the woman of Samaria the adulteress Matthew that old crook Zacchaeus a crook crook and the children men and women loved to follow Jesus because they saw in his countenance they noticed in his voice everything that, that said, I understand and I love. All right, the next one. What do you think of Christ as your personal Savior? What do you think real love means? Oh, I tell you, he is my personal Savior. Not because I feel it, but because he can't lie. And there are times I feel it, and there are other times I don't feel it. But I don't have to trust my feeling. Aren't you glad for that? I don't have to trust our feeling. Feelings are like uh, clouds, you see. They change, but God doesn't change. So every one of us has the privilege 
this morning and those viewing this have the privilege of saying, Dear Lord, not because I feel it, but because you promised, I claim total forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9. I believe right now you're fulfilling your promise of Psalm 32, 1 and 2. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. I claim the promise, Lord, of, of Isaiah 1, 18. Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Dear Lord, thank you for the wonderful questions that have come in, for the young people who have read them. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that's telling us there's a wonderful land called the land of beginning again, where all our mistakes, all our heartaches, all of our poor, foolish grief can be dropped like a shabby old coat at the door and never be put on again. Thank you for hearing us. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.